Hi, my name is Nikki, and welcome to Quick Picks, a reader's advisory podcast for all kinds of media available at the library. If you want suggestions on what to try next, we're here to help. Today, Tana, the most well-read person I know, joins me to talk about one of our favorite genres to read, whodunits. Hi, Tana. Welcome back. Hi, Nikki. Great to be back. You read more books than anyone I know. So other than your intro, including the fact that you read all the books, what else can you tell people about yourself? Well, I um, I like to read books. I like to read a wide variety of books. I also like to read about books. So I spend a fair amount of time on websites looking up books that maybe I might be interested in. I belong to three book clubs and three virtual book clubs. And it's fun just to hear and talk to different people about books. Like what what was your impression of that? What did you think of that? Or why did you like that? I didn't like that at all. Change my mind. I like that <laughs> about books. I like I like to talk about them. I like to find out what for you was a great piece of this book. Was it yeah. the characters, the narration, the setting? Did it remind you of somebody or something? I like all the booky stuff. That's me <laughs> in a nutshell. <laughs> yes which is why you are so often on the podcast. (laughs) Okay, so today we're going to talk about mysteries, whodunits, things like that. And would you like to get started with your first book to discuss? Sure. I would also like to say that these are mystery whodunits that are pretty squeaky clean. Yes. As I went back and kind of reviewed the books that I want to talk about, I did notice that not a lot of swearing and no blood really on on the page. Things mm-hmm. were happening kind of off. So the first um, books that I want to talk about are the Maggie Hope Mysteries. They are by Susan McNeil. And Maggie Hope, as a young girl, not too young, went to England because she inherited her grandmother's house. So she'd been living in Boston, Cambridge with an aunt, attending college, which in the 1930s was different for a woman. She went to England to sell her grandmother's house. But when she got there, she decided to stay and ended up as a uh, secretary in Mr. Churchill's office. And that's kind of how the series got started. Mr. Churchill's secretary is the first in the series. They're on the 10th book comes out or just came out in July. So they've been going for a number of years. Um, Maggie is a spy slash code breaker. She's a British agent who started off as a typing pool member. All of the books have historical characters in them, like Mr. Churchill's secretary had Mr. Churchill in it. Mrs. Roosevelt's confidant as the prime minister's secretary, she pulled real people in and made a historical fiction mystery book around it. She uses math and her wits more than anything else in solving these cases. Not a lot of violence at all. 
I thought they were fun, clever books. I loved that it was kind of a historical fiction wrapped up in a mystery. Some take place in Europe and some actually take place in the United States. So you get a little bit of both. Um, One other thing at the end of each of her books, she gives you some historical notes or the sources that she used. And it's like two pages of notes. It's not just like, (laughs) hey, I saw this idea somewhere. She goes into a lot of detail on where she got her ideas. Mm-hmm. So if you're also a person that kind of likes that extra depth to know about the characters or what was happening in that time frame, she mm-hmm. has all of that at the end as well. Yeah, so that's, that's always helpful. Maggie Hope Mysteries. All right. So another series that I think we're both pretty big fans of is the Flavia Deleuze series by Alan Bradley. And I am a particular fan of this series. I think Flavia is one of my favorite characters in fiction of all time. She's very fun. Yeah. I like Flavia. I like the family dynamic. I like that she's an 11-year-old girl who is kind of solving mysteries in town. And the uh, chemistry part is fun, too. How yeah. she figured out the poisons and, and things like that. I've only read a couple of these, but they have captured my attention and I have enjoyed them. Yeah, they're a great palate cleanser. Yeah, I love that it's historical. It's 1950s English countryside. Um, You have Flavia and her two sisters. So there's that weird, the way that sisters get along. It's like a love-hate relationship. Uh, Her dad is this kind of dark, mysterious figure that you don't see a lot of. And his friend from the war dogger who he brought back now works as the gardener and he's basically Flavia's best friend (laughs) and it's just a lovely story about a precocious little girl and there's a lot of darkness to it too you have the missing mother who she doesn't really remember. So there's all this intensity and this emotion behind her not knowing who her mother was and everybody else in the family having clear recollections of her. The the fact that the estate that they live on, Buckthorn, is in disrepair and it's on the verge of bankruptcy because they haven't found the mom's body and they can't get the will to be enacted so they can get at the funds to take care of the property. So her dad's always trying to figure out ways to save the house. And Flavia is just running around town and getting into all kinds of trouble. (laughs) And solving all kinds of trouble. And and finding dead bodies, (laughs) which... For an 11-year-old girl to find a dead body and be like, this is the most interesting thing that's ever happened to me. Yes. It's that whole cast of characters, too. It's not just sisters and daughter. It's the cook. It's the vicar. It's the random people in town that all just kind of know. Yes. The police chief, his wife. Yes. Yes. It's like the whole village is looking out for her as she's going about and solving things or tripping over things or yes. what happened. Yeah. And I have, a, I have a tiny rant because a lot of people who don't like these books fault it because she's 11 and okay. she has this really unbelievable level of intelligence. 
And I'd just like to say that as readers of fiction, you're supposed to have this ability to suspend disbelief for a couple hours to read a book. So this can't possibly be your first book of fiction. <laughs> exactly. If you if you can read a book about ghosts and accept that, or dragons, or unrealistic romance even, you should be able to read a book about a girl who's got super intelligence. And I find it really, really offensive if you can accept an 11-year-old boy with a scar on his forehead who's lived his entire life in a cubbyhole. And then he goes to a special school and goes on to save the world. If you have no problem with that 11-year-old, but you have a problem with this one, then I think that you have a bigger problem with gender than you do the age. True. Very true. I have to say, these books do remind me a little bit of Encyclopedia Brown. Yeah. Encyclopedia Brown when you were a kid. Mm Mm-hmm way back. So he was also a precocious kid who, you know, set up something in his backyard type of a thing and did. But when I read her, I think, I do think a little bit of that. Here's this, just an inquisitive, interesting kid being able to figure things out, think differently, talk to Mm -hmm. people, have relationships. That's just, that's interesting. Yeah. And she's surrounded by adults. She has no other kids to interact with. And I just think it's really funny that she has, she's almost a savant when it comes to chemistry because she doesn't like history and she doesn't like anything else. She has this really great vocabulary, but all she's interested in is chemistry. Exactly. And oddly, this is by no means children's literature. It is adult literature Yes. And it has, it does have darkness to it. It does have mature subjects, but it is, it's like you said, there isn't really swearing. There isn't um, a lot of violence. You're not scared. You're not wondering, you know, who's going to jump out of the shadows as much. It's just more of a puzzle solving yes. type of book. That's the best way to describe it. I think is a puzzle. You're mm-hmm. solving a puzzle and that's, that's the approach yeah, I, I think it's a fun series. Like you said, a little bit of a palate cleanser. Mm-hmm. Read some things that are a little heavier lately. This is just kind of a fun little romp through the English countryside. Yes. <laughs> Solve a mystery or two and be on your way. Yes. <laughs> okay. And next up, another one that we both loved, Thursday Murder Club. Yes. <laughs> This was such a fun book. And this was such a surprise. I I didn't see it coming. Somebody, we read a mystery book for a group that I'm in. And somebody's like, best book I've read in a long time. Hope there's more to the series. Mm-hmm. And then lo and behold, we find out book two should be coming out in the fall. Yeah. This one has a different setting, a retirement community. Something that you know, people can relate to in these times more and more showing up. And, and uh, I liked how their kids were kind of involved, but not really. Mm-hmm. Like they maybe came to visit, but mostly it was about these people in their retirement village and needing something to do with their brains. So why not solve a mystery? 
Yeah. And and one of the original members of the Thursday Murder Club was Penny, who was an ex-cop. And she has stolen all of these files of unsolved crimes. <laughs> but her health took a turn for the worse. And she is now, I don't know, she's, she's not in good health. She can't talk. She can't interact. She's basically bed bound. And so the rest of the members of the club have taken up the torch and are working on solving all of these mysteries. And then a murder happens in front of them. <laughs> So they have two things to solve, <laughs> a cold case and, well, and I think that, you know, the relationships between them and then the relationships between like the police department or their community yes. liaison, like, we don't want to talk about that again. We want to talk about this right? <laughs> with the murder. We know we're supposed to lock our doors. We know that <laughs> talk about something more interesting. Yeah. I loved that it was an example of people who were in their 60s, 70s, 80s. I think someone's even in their 90s, but about them all still having their full faculties. Yes. You know, they were they were all bright and on the money and clever and and they could figure things out and they could see things and assess things and analyze things that they saw in other people and really clever wit throughout as well. Yes, which you would expect from Richard Richard Osman. Yes, laugh out loud a couple times. A little embarrassing to be laughing out loud in <laughs> public space, but you know, but I I did. I thought it was a fun read. You know, it had the mystery. Mm-hmm. It had lots of red herrings. Mm-hmm. I was off on some tangents. I like that it also used their previous life experience. Yes. As you know, like, oh, so-and-so might be a little bit better at this piece because they did this before. And how they just kind of not relived their glory days necessarily, but use their brain in a way that they used to. Like, okay, I still can do this. Right. They all had something that they brought to the table. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So there's there's the four of them, Elizabeth, Joyce, Ibrahim, and Ron. And then there are all these side characters who I think are just as interesting. Like, I loved Bogdan. I thought Bogdan was like my second favorite character. Elizabeth is the first. And I just couldn't wait for Bogdan to be in a conversation or in a scene. It was so funny. Just this really clever Polish construction worker who happened into their lives and stayed. (laughs) Exactly. Who kind of came in from the sideways. Well, and the guy that lived down the hill too. Yes. A Bernard. Yes. Yeah. Bernard had a great storyline. There's so much romance and really great love stories in this book too. The devotion from the spouses or from, you know, the, the couples was really beautifully done. It was really well done. And how, you know, as the changes happen, they still put that other person first. That's yes. still their main priority mm-hmm. to make sure they can stay together. Right, right. The cops were fun, Donna and Chris. I just loved Donna. She cracked me up. She, um, you find out at the end of the book, this is not a spoiler, but you find out at the end of the book that her name is actually Madonna. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Chris is in his glory. Now he has something that he can hold over her. <laughs> yes. And their like interactions 
not police interactions, but they're kind of personal interactions were fun too, Mm -hmm. as they kind of got to know each other. Yeah. Yeah. Chris has this problem with eating and his weight and she's kind of trying to encourage him to eat better. And she has this weird fixation on her ex-boyfriend, Carl, and she stalks him online on social media. And he has a new girlfriend named Toyota. (laughs) All those things were just like nice little pieces to the story that kept you like, well, wait, where are we going with this? Right. Such quirkiness. I I kept wondering if I needed to know that. Yeah. Okay. Do I need to know this? (laughs) Come back later. Because that's one thing with mysteries. I feel like everything should be a clue. Yep. Sometimes yes and sometimes no. Yeah. I loved that it was kind of a peek into the way that older people think as well. Like how Joyce and Bernard had this agreement where every morning at 8 a.m., one would call the other, let it ring twice and hang up just to let the other know that they were okay. And they woke up and everything was fine that morning. And then there were so many things mentioned about how our time on this planet is limited. Some people are looking at the end with a little bit less distance than the rest of us. So it, it really gave you a nice perspective, I think. My other favorite part was when they Skyped somebody. Oh, yes. <laughs> that was fantastic, too. Like, Their grab on technology was hilarious. Yes. And how, you know, I could just picture them all, like, looking into the screen, <laughs> trying to figure out how to turn the turn the video off at the end. I mean, all things that have been grappling with this whole year and a half. Yeah, I'm super excited that this is going to be a series and I can't wait to read more. Same here. Looking forward to book two. Yes. Okay. Well, those are the mysteries that Tana and I are suggesting. And we hope that of those, somebody will find something wonderful to read next. And we thank you, Tana, again, for coming on the program and sharing with us some of your vast knowledge. Happy to be here. It's always fun to talk books. Always is, yes. (laughs) Okay, thank you, and we will see you again soon. And now for Nikki's pick. Sparks and Bainbridge Mysteries by Alison Montclair. Book One, The Right Sort of Man. When I talk about whodunits, I refer to less violent, less gritty, entertaining puzzles to solve. Not quite cozies and not your mystery thrillers. They're character-driven and often involve unlikely sleuths. Whodunits are everywhere in fiction today. You have a huge amount to choose from, even if you break down your choices to historical whodunits, foreign whodunits, female protagonists, unofficial investigators who accidentally came across a dead body and felt compelled to solve the crime, or those of the haunted mansion type. So finding something unique and fun is usually worth sharing. The Sparks and Bainbridge mysteries are exactly that. Ms. Montclair gives us two very different female leads in post-World War II London who run the Right Sort Marriage Bureau, 
which is essentially a matchmaking service. When they match a couple, one is murdered and the other is accused of the murder. They take their nosy and stubborn nature to the streets to prove the police wrong and to save a man's life before it's too late. There are laugh out loud moments and smiles aplenty, and you will love the audacity of Iris Sparks. It's not often that you pick up a book about women in the 1940s and find a mostly lighthearted, inspiring, empowering story about women as the respected heroines. They're wise, fun, and want to do the right thing while running their business and saving their reputations and those of their clients. This is a great series to start with three books published and a world of possibilities to come. Whether it's a palate cleanser between heavy subjects or you're a regular seeking the puzzle-solving skills of some spunky chicks, this book has a lot to offer and we hope you enjoy it. Now, here's Nick with a suggestion from Libraries. Overdrive is a digital distributor of ebooks, audiobooks, online magazines, and streaming video titles. Overdrive offers a wide range of ebooks and audiobooks for you to check out. Patrons of libraries that support Overdrive have unlimited access to its collection of digital media. Overdrive is free of charge for patrons of participating libraries. The content is paid for by library systems. To use Overdrive on your device, phone, or tablet, you just need to download the Libby app from your designated app store. And that brings this episode of Quick Picks to a close. We hope you join us next time for more suggestions in different genres and maybe different media. My name is Nikki, and Quick Picks is coming to you from the Round Lake Area Public Library in Round Lake, Illinois. The end.